Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation today, the epistle reading from Romans 13, especially these words. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the King is coming, the King is coming. We hear this in the church, we just sang it in that great Advent hymn, a new hymn based on the gospel reading for today, the King is coming. And people sit back and say, Ah, yeah, so what? So what? The king is coming. We feel a little bit like a cross between Chicken Little saying the sky is falling and the little boy who cried wolf. For 2,000 years now, right? The Christian church has boldly proclaimed that Jesus, who ascended into heaven, will return. And now we wait. And we wait. And we wait. And sometimes in our waiting, we feel a little foolish. Sometimes in our waiting, we wonder what's the point. Sometimes we begin to doubt. We begin to doubt whether God's promises are real. Whether God's word is true. Whether Jesus really exists. We begin to listen to the voices of the world. The voices that mock God's word. The voices that mock Jesus as God's son. The voices that turn virtue into vice and vice into virtue. They start to sound pretty good. We begin to drift off into a spiritual slumber. The promises of God, maybe. The second coming of Christ, his imminent return. Come on, let's get real. Does anybody actually believe that stuff? In a few moments, we'll confess in the Apostles' Creed with regard to Jesus. After his death and resurrection, he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. We confess it. God's word clearly teaches it. Do we really believe it? Do we want it to happen? My friends, today, we begin a new church year. The word Advent literally means coming. 
or to come into. Since the very beginning, since sin came into this world, God gave a promise. Gave a promise to our first parents, Adam and Eve. That one would come into this world who would crush the serpent's head once and for all. Who would restore the broken relationship between creator and the created. Between God and poor miserable sinners like us. He gave the promise of a savior, of a messiah, of a king. So in a sense, nearly from day one, Adam and Eve preached to their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren, the king is coming, the king is coming. My friends, throughout the pages of the Old Testament, we see the message of the prophets and the patriarchs exactly the same. Our sin is great, but God's love is greater. Messiah is coming. The King is coming. More details, more specifics. The King would be a suffering servant. The King would be born in Bethlehem. The king would be strong and mighty to save. And the king would rise from the dead. And when the time was right, when the time has fully come, God does what he always does. He keeps his word. Jesus, born of a virgin, born under the law, born to redeem us who are under the law. Jesus. King. Jesus. Doesn't look like much of a king, does he? Little, little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The son of a carpenter. A teacher with a ragtag bunch of followers. In our gospel reading for today, we see not only that the king had come into the world, God in the flesh, but we see what this king is to do. He doesn't come riding on a steed with a mighty army. He comes riding on a donkey, humbly, lowly. He comes riding into Jerusalem to the cries, the son of David. Hosanna. This is the king. He comes riding into Jerusalem to die. A king who dies for his subject. Now there's a fairy tale for you. Right? That's crazy. Who possibly could have dreamed that up? Not us, only God in his wisdom, in his love, sending his son, the son of God wrapped in flesh and blood into this world to live and die and rise again and to pay for our sin. My friends, that's exactly what Jesus did.
The king who comes to save us fulfills his mission as he bleeds and dies and rises from the dead. Forty days later, he ascends into heaven. Seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Not a position where he's stuck, but a position of power where he rules and fills all things. And as he ascended into heaven, the angels who announced his departure said, in the same way that you saw Jesus ascend into heaven, you will see him returning in power and might and glory on the last day. This is what we confess in the creeds. This is what we wait for. This is what we long for. God promised the King Savior and he kept his word. The King Savior went to the cross and rose from the dead. He kept his word. The King pours out his forgiveness, his love to you in the waters of holy baptism where you are wrapped in his kingly robe of righteousness. My friends, now, now we wait. Now we wait. Maybe waiting is easier for you than it is for me. That's not one of my spiritual gifts. I tend to be a little bit impatient. Whether I'm driving down the road or waiting in line in the grocery store, or heaven forbid, in the doctor's office. Waiting is tough. One of the reasons why waiting is so hard is because we have gotten to the point where we think that the world revolves around me. And that the only thing that matters is me and my schedule and my time. Why would someone dangerously driving way over the speed limit bob and weave in and out of traffic? at 7.30 on a weekday morning. Well, I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. The heck with everybody else. Because it's all about me. The Apostle Paul in our epistle reading for today, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is teaching us redeemed children of God, baptized children of God, forgiven children of God, people who are waiting and longing for the return of Jesus. How to wait. How to wait. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. My friends, this is a fact. If you believe God's word, then these words must be true. 
If Jesus is coming on the last day, and we don't know exactly when that last day is, well, that last day is sooner today than it was yesterday. It's certainly sooner than when we first believed. When will Jesus come back? God's word doesn't tell us. And that's a good thing. He wants us to be ready now, today. He wants us to be ready to receive our King now, today. My friends, Jesus is not stuck in heaven far, far away. Jesus promises that wherever my word is proclaimed in its truth and purity, wherever my gifts are administered according to the command and promise of God, there I am. God's word of love and forgiveness spoken into your ears. God's word of forgiveness, justification by grace through faith on account of Jesus preached into your ears and your hearts. The very body and blood of Jesus crucified on Calvary's cross put into your mouth forgiveness, life, and salvation to sustain you in your waiting. Because waiting is hard. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. We know what the works of darkness are, don't we? We don't need a long dissertation on things that are bad, things that are evil, things that are naughty, things that are sinful. God's Word lays it out very, very clearly for us. His Ten Commandments, His Holy Law. It's where we get our, our word morality from in the moral law. Cast off the things that generally people do only under the cloak of darkness. Come into the light. The light of Jesus Christ. The light of the world. The light no darkness can overcome. Not even the darkness of death and the grave. When God's Word teaches us to put something off and put something on. This is almost like code word. Teaching us to return to our baptism. It is simply a call to repent. Remember in Luther's small catechism, baptism part four, what does such baptizing with water indicate? It indicates that's the, that the old man, the old self, the old Adam should by daily contrition and repentance drown and die with all of its sin 
and passions and evil lusts. And come forth a new person, a new creation, ready to love God and serve our neighbor. My friends, dying to live is the picture of what a Christian is. Dying to live is what God calls us to do in His Word. Dying to live is how we wait and wait patiently for the coming of Christ. Our epistle goes on and says, let us walk properly as in the daytime. Not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and, quarreling and jealousy. My friends, God's word is clear with regard to what is good and what is right and what is holy and what is not. God's word teaches us to pray for the godly gift of self-control. God loves it when we live according to virtue rather than according to vice. But my friends, self-control is not enough. Don't get me wrong. Self-control is a good thing. Self-control with regard to this laundry list of sin that the Holy Spirit gives us, it's a good thing to keep your hands to yourself when you are around someone else's spouse. It's a good thing to, if you have an alcoholic beverage, to stop before you get drunk. Self-control is a good thing. It's a good thing to bite your lip and not say that hurtful, mean word, even if you know it's true. Self-control. It's a good thing to stop eating when you're full rather than gorge yourself to the point of gluttony. Self-control is a good thing. But self-control is not enough. Self-control cannot save you from your sin. There is only one thing that can save you from your sin, and that is King Jesus. Did you hear what Jeremiah said in our Old Testament reading for today? And this is the name by which he, the promised king, will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. The Lord is our righteousness, our forgiveness, our justification. It is only in and through King Jesus who lays down his life wearing a crown of thorns, 
who has earned the forgiveness of sins for all of the times we've turned the blessings of God into idols, for all of the times we've listened to the voices of the world instead of the very clear word of God, for all of the times when we either didn't believe or didn't want to believe that Jesus is in control and he is coming back. For all the times we've been embarrassed by some of God's teachings, especially those that don't fit in with the tune that the world is singing. For all of the times when, when we've let our lusts and passions and anger and bitterness get the best of us. For all of these sins and more, King Jesus has laid down his life for you. For all of these sins and more, King Jesus is risen from the dead for you. My friends, King Jesus isn't far away. He's right here as we hear in his word and rejoice in his sacraments. And King Jesus does not lie. He can't. He's coming. He's coming soon. It's not a joke. It's not a fairy tale. This is God's love for you. So that we wake up collectively from our slumber. So that we tune our ears and our hearts to listen to the clear word of God. And so that God will use us, his children, to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth in a world that is destined for the fires of hell. My friends, today, today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day to believe the good news. Today is the day to know who we are in Christ Jesus and to set our clocks. No, I'm not talking about silly daylight savings time or Arizona that kind of just does whatever it wants to do. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from your sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. I pray that the prayer that we pray on a regular basis is a prayer that we actually believe. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, and our waiting in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.